Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 32. Welcome back, Adamantomaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and I hope everyone's having a fantastic week for our listeners in the United States. Happy early Thanksgiving. As always, we've got a killer episode for you today. Actually, this one is really, really cool because it is exactly how I intended this podcast to be. So we've got singer, songwriter, musician, extremely talented dude, Barnes Courtney, on the podcast, uh, who is just, he's killing it right now. He released his first full LP last year. It's amazing from start to finish, from head to toe. He's also released a new single. We're going to talk about that, and we've actually got it on the podcast for you to listen to before our interview. And the reason I said this episode went exactly how I intended the podcast to be is because by the end of it, I just felt like I was hanging out with one of my buddies. So I'm really excited to share it with you guys. And before we met, I wasn't really sure how it was going to go because the interview was scheduled pretty late. I think it was around 6.30. Uh, His show started at 8 o'clock at the Danforth Music Hall. And I got a call from his manager saying they were running late. They got caught in some traffic coming from Montreal. So we the interview got pushed about 45 minutes. So I think we are supposed to meet at 6. And I think we started around 6.45. And I was like, oh, no, we're going to have to rush this. And uh, we're going to get, you know, we're going to be caught for time. So we sat, we got this little tiny dinky room backstage at the Danforth. Barely enough room for a couch that was, like, basically on the floor. And, uh... You know, the manager said, oh, how much time do you need? And I said, well, can you give me at least 20 minutes? So I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. So 45 minutes later, uh, we completely lose track of time because we're having so much fun. And, and I kind of realize we, we've run a little long. So I said, you know, uh, we might want to wrap things up. And he's like, oh, what time is it? And it was, it was, must, it was I think it was around 7.30, 7.45. And he's like, oh, shoot, I'm supposed to be warmed up already. And sure enough, we went and uh, <laughs> took a look, and there's like a whole crowd of people already in front of the stage. So we took the promo photo, and Barnes was so nice. He thanked me so many times, gave me a huge hug, told me to hang out, out with them after the show. And I just want to thank him again. I hope we get to do it again sometime, because this is one of the best backstage experiences uh, I've ever had. So then I uh, snuck off the front of the stage, because it's the only way out. Uh, and I came back like 20 minutes later, and for having not warmed up that much, Barnes killed it he's just such an amazing live performer and barnes is one of those artists that's kind of just just waiting to explode right now because i mean he's already got songs in movies and tv series and commercials and video games there's probably two or three songs if you don't know barnes courtney already there's probably two or three songs that you'll hear or you look up and you'll be like oh yeah i know this song or i've heard this song before i think he's gonna be huge he's such a talented dude, so much energy, so much passion, and just a great human being as well. And even with just one album, it's actually it was, it was hard to pick five songs for the Adamantium Recommend section, but we're going to do it anyways. Uh, so here's five songs selected by the Adamantium Podcast by Barnes Courtney for you to check out before or after the interview, or during, or, or, or never, I guess, if you don't want to. But here they are. My first recommendation uh, is probably Barnes' biggest song, and it's it's so amazing. Five-star song for sure. It's called Fire. The second song I recommend is called Glitter and Gold. The third is called Golden Dandelions. And the fourth is called Kicks. So those four songs were from Barnes Courtney's first album, The Attractions of Youth. But my fifth recommendation is actually his brand new single. It's called 99. It is a fantastic song to begin with, but I love it even more, you know, being a 90s kid myself. And as I mentioned earlier, Barnes was nice enough to uh, let us preview the song on the podcast before the interview. So let's enjoy that together. Here's 99 by Barnes Courtney. I strung young and dumb, 
song and i definitely recommend go on youtube and check out the music video because it's hilarious Uh, we talk about it in the interview as well so before we get stuck into the interview just a quick reminder if you're listening on itunes or apple podcasts please do hit that subscribe button leave us a review and a rating follow us on social media you can find the adamantium on facebook instagram and twitter just by searching the adamantium so moving on i would love to introduce you guys to my boy barnes courtney on the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 32. To all the Americans out there, happy Thanksgiving again, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Enjoy.
with Barnes Courtney. Thank Ooh. you. Thank you very much again for uh, taking a few minutes to talk with yeah, us. I'm very busy here in this gilded palace of uh, chipped paint and stains. It's all right. Well, well, I mean, this we'll uh, we'll pretend we're in a you know the queen's. We're playing for the queen tonight, so we just got us in a royal. I feel like she'll royal be chamber here. Did the did, did Canada never had a queen? Did it? No, no, no. no. But I shall be the queen of Canada. Got, at least you've got some Esco water rather than they didn't give you, like, Dasani or something. <laughs> uh, what's the deal with Dasani? I don't even like Dasani water. It's, a, it's so funny, too, because they're owned by Coke, which they're you would think Coke world. would, like, buy the best one. And well, they put the most, like, chemicals in Brazil. Dasani is the only water that doesn't taste like water. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> they put, like, salt in it and shit to make yeah. you more thirsty. That's true, yeah. It's evil Coke Corporation. That's it. That's it's so funny. I used to work on... I used to work for an ad agency, and I worked on Coca-Cola. No shit. And so do you know about all this weird shit that they do? No, like, they, they even hide that from us. They only want you to... But it was, like, this big push on, like, you can be healthy and drink Coke, and it's, like... Not really. No. It's like, yeah. no, it was like, but it was like, you know, just drink it in moderation and like uh, Coke Zero and, and all these things. It's like, no, always healthier option yeah. is don't drink Coke. <laughs> Stay away. But it's, it's like all the, all, the, all the way. Yeah. All the way. Like, have you ever seen the videos of them like melting nails in Coke? Oh, uh, yeah. I have you seen can put a nail in Coca Cola and it'll like take all the rust off. Or a tooth. Yeah. 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 And it'll weird. dissolve it. Yeah. So, anyways. Well, I'm glad we covered that. Topic. Yeah, of course. That's the first one off the list. Um, you you were actually born in England. Yeah. Uh, but moved to Seattle. I missed out on the did. sexy accent entirely. Yeah. I was gonna say I was I was curious before I actually did some research and I heard it I was like no oh, accent, but because you, you moved back, but in I guess in that period was the most crucial period for accent. I guess I don't really know when accent forming periods are at their height. Right. But I guess it's from four to fourteen because I got this I one. guess so. I have Must a, be. I have a friend who grew up in England. I think I've heard it's like when all depending on when you hit puberty, because I have a friend who grew up in England, moved here when he was like 12, 13, it has zero accent at all. I'm still waiting zero for English. my left testicle to obscurity. <laughs> but when it does... <laughs> right. But that's it. I'm like, man, that's the worst movie to Canada. You want the English accent because chicks dig the English yeah. accent here. So. The American accent doesn't yeah. get you shit. People it's like, why can't you American like two years? everywhere in the world? Like, it's right. renowned for being a horrible, horrible society of political bigots. Yeah, well, and people here, if you're from Canada, people are always like, when I whenever I travel and I say, like, do you want to go out? Everyone's like, out? 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 out. out. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm, saying. I'm sorry, you guys want to go out? <laughs> um, but when I, when the reason I'm asking is because you you went to Seattle, you mm. went back to England, um, and actually when I listen to your music, it's got like a bit of that Brit Rock vibe. Um, but yeah. also, um, it's got a bit of the Seattle scene kind of sound in it too. Um, so do you think you're like a bit of a product of the areas you've lived, grew up? I definitely would agree with that. Bowie used to say a lot that um, his music was hugely influenced by where he was recording at the time. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine that where you grow up. There's another great interview with um, Jonesy from uh, the Sex Pistols okay. talking about how when you're 12 years old, you are so influenced by the music you listen to in that period, mm -hmm. you cannot get away from it. No matter what That's it true. is, and no matter what the music you're making is, you'll always find like, little tidbits. That's actually a very amazing point. Um, because there's even things that I listen to as a 12-year-old 
or that we all did at the time stuff that I would never listen to now that has stuck with me. Yeah. Um, and we kind of grew up in the same era and actually like, I love 99 because I love anything that's like late nineties. Are you the same age as me? Are you getting on in like in your years? I'm Oh no, dude, I already hit that 30 mark. So oh, you hit the 30 yeah, mark. Well, I'm not far yeah. from it. I know. Yeah. I, I looked we're we're about two years apart. Although think. actually for the fans, I'm, I'm only uh, 17. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here rubbing creams on my face. <laughs> to stay young. <laughs> touching myself seductively. Yeah. It's actually, making me a little awkward, actually. <laughs> yeah, maybe I went too far. Yeah, scale it back. Uh, <laughs> I'm 21, and I'm very normal, uh, and I have a shih tzu. But <laughs> there you go. Wholesome. There you go. Back to wholesome again. But yeah, anything in that like late 90s, anything nostalgia from that, or Saved by the Bell, you oh know, anything God, like yeah. that, just, uh, just like gives me tingles you know um and this year we just had a, a tour come through that was called the rewind tour mm. and aqua headlined oh my god and i was like i was so ecstatic because that was like my jam in yeah, when i was yeah. 12 and i'm like i want to listen to that now but because i did when i was 12 i feel like your taste when you're 12 is, is very um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's very much lower than when you're stuck <laughs> yeah. yeah so because i went and it was awesome but <laughs> Yeah, um, but you were very much a uh, very determined musician, um, from what I've heard, from what I've read. Um, you know, you, you were almost like that, that story of someone who really struggled to make it anyways. Like, at one point you were homeless, yeah. you were selling cigarettes or something. I mean, something. you know, like, I wasn't but, so homeless that I didn't have anywhere to go. I could have moved back with my mom in Seattle. Okay. But that was... To admit total and utter defeat. Okay. I had no contacts in Seattle. I've been in England for my whole musical career. I see. My parents okay. in Ipswich were like, no, dude, like, stay the fuck out. We've rented your room out to foreign exchange students. Literally. Gotcha. So that was that was a no-go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was sofa surfing, so it's not like don't imagine me like no, under, a bridge, under a bridge, like shivering. Yes. <laughs> right, right. If only people would play my songs about yeah. fire and gold. <laughs> Um, no, it was like, you know, I was going from friend's house to friend's house, um, you know, like occasionally, um, sleeping in like people's cars and stuff. Yeah. Like very occasionally, but you know, it was okay. all right. So it's not as bad as, as some of the, the, you know, the juicy, you know, articles like to make it out to be or something. <laughs> I'm sure when I, when I eventually get enough money for my biopic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It'll be, yeah. You'll watch this and be like, I wasn't that homeless. <laughs> Um, at what point did you realize, you know, you know, it's going to be okay. Like now, you know, my music's, but I mean, it, it was a big blow for me because like you got to understand that I've been solidly in bands from the age of 14 onwards. Right. And my whole life had just been this massive one way buildup yeah. from like school concerts, battle of the bands, being on like a televised battle of the band, uh, signing my first management deal, going to LA, cutting the record, um, going on tour and I'd like in a big way on the, on the circuit in the UK playing arenas. Um, and then suddenly like the rug was just pulled out from under my feet mm -hmm. and I'd never had to pay any bills or anything. And now like, all of a sudden, yeah. like nothing. I just, I, my, my rent was paid for me by the label. Yeah. I just played video games and made music, um, and partied every day yeah. from 19 when I left my parents home to 22 when I got dropped by Island records. Yeah. And then it's like, bam, 
it was it was like I'd uh, I hadn't escaped adult life. I'd condensed it <laughs> into right. this like massive, like life shattering brick. That right, it was just like hurled in through my window. It's like life really slapping yeah. in the face. Yeah, real like see, I wasn't slowly introduced to it like how a uni student is, where right. you like you kind of creep into a little bit of responsibility yeah. and like yeah, you're living by yourself and cooking, but there are adults around, kind of making sure you're not gonna kill yourself. Yeah, um, and then suddenly I've got no money. And I've got no degree or qualifications, and my parents won't let me move back in, um, so I'm, I'm fucked, unless I go to Seattle and completely give up on music. Right. Um, and that was hard, because all my friends were graduating from university. Right. And So at any point, were you like, maybe I should do that, or were you always just like, nope, music's going to be what I'm going to do? I mean, I wish I could say that it was down to some incredible it's not always magical like that, yeah. But I just, I, th- I think it's, it's kind of both a blessing and a curse that I physically cannot do anything other than mm-hmm. some kind of performance-based... I always say that. Being creative is the biggest blessing and biggest curse because yeah. it's all you want to do. And I, I, I was I just... I'm sure you understand, like me, you just get so depressed if you have to do anything else. Mm-hmm. I couldn't handle it. Um, I think some people are very content and enjoy having a simple life where they go to their nine to five and they love their home comforts yeah. and they're being in their town and they have their group of friends. And that's really nice for people who have that in their DNA. Mm-hmm. But for, for whatever reason, like that lifestyle was killing me. I mean, I was horrendously, um, down about the whole thing for three years and I was bitter yeah. about being dropped and never having my record released. And, you know, it's not like a university degree where you get a piece of paper that says, like, this period of my life right. was worth something was worth and that. I accomplished something. Yeah. Even though it's so hard to get a major deal in the first place, it was just everybody looked at me like I'd just been getting high in the bushes for the last yeah. three years. So, yeah. I mean, it was it was a real... And, and you got to understand, I'd never experienced failure on that level before. Right. Well, it's if, you, if you've been playing since you were 14. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and everything played, had been pretty successful up to then. I played shitty gigs, sure, and I'd been really crappy, but it had always been, you You've know, been getting a little yeah. bit better and a little bit yeah. better. Um, Do you think then, though, that now sh- really kind of shaped and formed you for when you got this, the deal you're on now? I mean, it was you the know, best you, thing that ever happened to me in retrospect. Yeah, but now do you have a different mindset than, say, you did when you were with Island? I look, know, at, like, I look at bands that had immediate success, mm-hmm. and I see how lucky I am to have been like fucked so hard by the industry. <laughs> right. Because when I go in to do radio promo or I do like interviews, for instance, like I'm yeah. so genuinely grateful that anybody wants to talk to me at all. And yeah. I'm really like amazed and still kind of blown away that people travel to come to my shows and that people spend money to buy tickets and music. Um, and I, I go to a lot of, different radio things and like, oh, you know, thank you so much for coming in. I know how much you hate promo. Yeah. Actually. No, it's like, yeah. I'm like, this is fucking great. Are you serious? I get to come in. This is what I get to do for a living. I get to shoot the shit and talk about music with DJs and interviewers. You know, like talk about myself, play my own music, (laughs) eat snacks. Yeah. It's it's phenomenal. So it's it's put me in an amazing headspace, I think, for this particular job that maybe immediately being successful wouldn't have. Right. And also the whole first album was about all of those things, yeah. those trials and tribulations that I went through. Okay. And I actually want to talk about Attraction Juice because what I was curious when I was reading all this, um, because the Attraction of Youth was also 
it seemed like it, it took a while to get out um, because some of the singles and stuff I had heard two years prior and yeah. stuff like that were a lot of these songs ones you had written with Island and it, no I mean none of them it's completely really? different okay. it was frustrating that pay- I'm not really sure what happened because I've pretty much written the whole record um, like three four years prior to mm-hmm. when it came out Okay. And suddenly I just like found, I don't think anybody knew what to do with me. That was the problem. Okay. Like fire blew up instantaneously. Yeah. Like the moment that it landed on somebody's desk, I had five different record labels calling me at once. Right. And I didn't have an Instagram account for my project. Okay. So like I went from being an employee part-time at a computer store. Yeah. Literally to within a month, I had signed a major deal. And I was going out on tour in America. So was Fire the first song you wrote for the, the album? It was or the first song that I managed put to, out. to record. Okay. I didn't even put it out. So I, I gave it to a friend of mine. Okay. Who gave it to a friend of his and so on and so forth. And really? And ended it just up on the desk of uh, Ian Huffam at X-Ray Touring in England. Okay. And then from there... It just blew spread, up. ...spread, like, it blew up in the industry At only. the time, did you have your band or was it no. just you? It was just you, eh? So I was, like, really frustrated because I'm, like, I'm not an acoustic solo guy. Right. I'm like, you know, a sweat on everybody yeah. and writhe around on the floor covered in my own juices kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? And, uh, but because... So was the first version acoustic? Of Fire? Yeah. The, the version that's out now is the demo that I recorded with this random dude that I managed okay. to convince to, to record it. Okay, so were you doing all the instrumentation and everything, or...? I, um, I did all my parts, and then I think this dude... He got like a snare drum and a um, a hi hat out of the closet and did okay. all the drums. Because that I mean, that, that song's very also heavy heavy tom. Yeah. You know? So did all it's, that drum like come come later and? The, I think the toms. Um, I I don't know. He must have. I think he sampled them from another another track. Okay. Um, because I knew I wanted to make a track like Black Skinhead. Okay. Um, like yeah US. yeah. You know, and like you can hear like the toms, yes. the, the percussive breaths and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, it was it was crazy because I didn't, I didn't have time to even record the second verse. Okay. Um, I had it done, but the problem was, you know, I went into this hotel with this guy. I had an introduction through a friend of mine, and I had to play fire for him live in the bar mm-hmm. because. I didn't have anything recorded or equipment right. and like nobody would take a shot on me because it was just some random dude. Yeah. And he was like, okay, I'll record this. Went in and did it. He said, that chorus sucks. Um, you got to change it because the production didn't, yeah. didn't work with it for right. whatever okay. reason. So he wouldn't go back in with me. Huh. I had to find somebody else three months later, did the whole thing again, had the opposite problem. So I'm sitting in Starbucks uh, on my laptop at this point, trying to piece these two songs together, like yes, in yeah. this music recording software, just by cut and paste on the yeah. MP3, right? But they're two BPM apart, so I can't. It's like not an easy <laughs> job. So I'm trying to yeah. like cut some feedback from one bit and like put it underneath and just sort of like inching by tiny minutiae yes, um, yeah, yeah. fragments until eventually I got it into this place where you kind of couldn't tell. Yeah. And then as soon as I finished that demo and sent it to my buddy, yeah. it was like bam! It was in a movie. Yeah. I was on the road. And and it ended up getting mixed and mastered as like that shitty yeah and now thing that I put together and now I mean fire uh, glitter and gold champion like those songs I've heard <sighs> movies TV series video games 
Uh, it was crazy. Uh, sports arenas. So you can imagine, right? No Instagram, no yeah. band. Like, nobody knows who the fuck I am. Yeah. But suddenly it's on the radio, it's in movies, it's on, on yeah. TV. WWE events. And stuff WWE like, events. Yeah. I haven't recorded more than one song. Yeah. And and people just kind of freaked out, and they, they panicked, and they didn't know how to progress. So they were just like, well, just put them on the road. Okay. So suddenly I'm just touring. That's why there were several singles before As a solo acoustic was... artist. Okay. And then the, my guy at the label left... So I, they weren't really thinking about the project, and I'm just, like, touring for pretty much two years solid. Yeah. And suddenly the label comes up two years later and goes, oh, we need an album, like, right now. Yeah. What have you been doing? Where is it? And I'm like, well, I've been playing gigs, been touring. Yeah. So suddenly then I have to get in the studio, and it's, like, a massive rush, and we record the whole thing, and then, boom, it's out. No marketing campaign, no pre-release, no pre-sales, no okay. nothing. Um, so, you know... I think that's why it took so long for the tunes to come out because it was right. just like there was no build. Nobody really anticipated anything going down like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it took me a long time to get uh, to get the band because obviously people had only seen me even within my own circle as in an acoustic sort yeah, of yeah. environment. And when I said I wanted to get people around, they were like, "No, no, that's not who you are. That's not your yeah. thing." So it's it's exciting now for the second record. I can actually put this together as I'd always intended it. Okay. Which is more like a Bowie and the Spiders kind of thing. Okay. Than it is like uh, George Ezra and his band sort of up against the curtain. Okay. But I mean, and now you're, I mean, and even still now the album just came out and now already you've got another single. You got 99 out. Um, And I just saw there's, I think there's another single being released now. Good good thing. It was, I saw it Oh, I wrote that for the first record. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna put it on this album. Okay. But so 99 will come on the the next album. Yeah, I just yeah. thought it meant a lot to me when I wrote it, and I just wanted to release it. Yeah. Also, I'm really grateful to all my fans for getting me to this point in my career. And um, when I started writing the second record, none of the songs came out the same as the as the first. Quite different, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think because. I was so depressed for that first record. I stumbled across that bluesy sound okay. by accident. It wasn't intentional. Right. It was a genuine representation of how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I get to make music every day, and I get to meet new people and go to new places, and I'm, I'm actually happy. Right. So the music is happy. It's happy. And it's okay. changed dramatically. Yeah. There's, there's like synths in it now. So I, I didn't want my fans to feel like, oh, you know, he's just changed everything. He doesn't give a fuck about us. So right. I, I did this big post about everything and explained and told them, here is the last of that batch of songs that I want to release in tandem with this new batch, 99. Right. Just to give them, like... 99's got a very uplifty feel. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's and the soundscape is different. You know, yeah. it's still got the essence of, mm-hmm. of who I am, but... I, I didn't use really any synthesizers on the first record. Right. This one's going to have yeah. a lot of synth okay. and a lot of, um, and the songwriting is going to be much happier. And there's not going to be really any of that bluesy feel to it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's why I wanted to, to put that out. Great, great. And and do you still get? I mean, I kind of half-assed it before, but do you? Does it still feel surreal to you when you hear your songs oh, on yeah. these major media? You know, like oh, it, it, it's really funny because. 
a lot of the records I recorded in my friend's bedroom. Right. Um, my buddy from my last band, we got dropped from Island Records. Yeah. And he moved into a decommissioned old folks' home on this government scheme called guardianships, mm-hmm. where they let you live in dilapidated buildings for very cheap rent mm-hmm. on the condition that you look after it for them and make sure nobody tries to break in. So I used to go to this guy's bedroom and we would make these demos and like make the drums out of old filing cabinets um, and hmm. like you know like we didn't have a bass guitar so all, all the bass on glitter and gold is all this wrecked piano from uh, really yeah from the this retirement home and uh, all the percussion is like different film cans and bits and bobs wow and we made this record for for no money whatsoever. Neither of us was signed. Yeah. It was just you know we we're like two losers in this dilapidated building. <laughs> and my buddy used to live off of a can of beans a day. He was, I mean, he still is really skinny because he's really, <laughs> really tight with the money that he's got now. <laughs> Probably as a, as a result of what we went through. Right. Of course. Um, so getting back to what you were saying, when I see that track especially like glitter and gold mm-hmm. and tv adverts it, it's really it's almost funny yeah and it's 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 surreal and kind of like oh my god i can't believe that especially where it came from because it wasn't in a studio right it wasn't even made with good microphones we there's a picture on the physical copy of the album not that people buy those anymore mm-hmm. yeah uh, and you can see this like tight it's about the size of this room um really and it's just one microphone. This palace that we're in. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's huge, gilded palace. With the Esco water. <laughs> oh, it's so, so good, this Esco water. You can taste the minerals. <laughs> and it's just, it would just hold one microphone like around the room with the different yeah. things that I was doing. Um, wow. So it, it is bizarre. And it took, I mean, I was so downtrodden from that whole experience. It, it probably took me about two years into signing my new deal before right. I actually relaxed and thought, okay, this is all right. I'm not going to go back to mm-hmm. to being like a sofa surfer anymore. Right. Um, Which is probably you know taught you lessons going forward too. On yeah. Also, just being it's also very humbling. Uh, and not only that, now have you does your songs being played everywhere? But I've I've read that you've played with like the Who. You've played with Ed nuts. Sheeran. You've played with the Lumineers. Are you? What do you learn from, like, have you, have you learned anything from these guys when you were... I, I grew up in the same area as Ed Sheeran. Okay. So when I was 14, I moved to Ipswich. Okay. Ed Sheeran lived in the neighboring village of Framlingham. Okay. Which didn't have any music venues. Okay. So Ed would come, and we would both play this little venue called the Steamboat Tavern. Yeah. Which holds about 10 people. Yeah. I used to say to my parents, you've got to come see this guy. He's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. You've got to come see... Now, I never imagined in a million years he would he would... He just played our biggest arena in Toronto. He's the biggest male solo artist in the world. Yes, yeah. I knew he was amazing. (laughs) I never thought in my wildest dreams he would be the biggest male artist in the world. You never do it. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, it was was funny. He he used to be in Battle of Bands, like my ex-girlfriend was in a Battle of Bands against him. Yeah. And you'd see all the different acts and you'd, you'd pick the winner... And then out would come this little ginger kid yeah. with his guitar. He used to tie a little rag to the top of his guitar. That used yeah. to be his thing. Okay. And you're like, who's this guy with this like baby kid's guitar and like some weird rag tied to it? And then he would start playing and like jaw would just hit the floor. Yeah. 
because not only did he have this incredible voice and songwriting ability and charisma, but nobody at the time had ever heard of loop pedals before. Right. Now everybody's doing it, but back then, you know, this is like over a decade ago, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, what is that? That's crazy. That's mm -hmm. so fresh. Um, so fast forward like 10 years into the future. Yeah. And suddenly I'm signed to the same agent as him in the U.S. And I'm going to support him. So like in answer to your question, he's like this big fancy man now, right? Yeah. And I'm on stage and I'm sound checking and, and I'm like, where's the, um, where's the guitar stand? I'm just gonna, you know, go grab Did something. he remember you from growing up back in? Oh, he totally did. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Super, like very yeah. humble. Yeah. And I'm asking where this, this guitar stand is and they're like, oh, he doesn't have a guitar stand. He leaves his guitar on the stage, um, every night yeah. to remind him of where he where came, came from. from. Cause that's what yeah. he used to do okay. back in the day. Yeah. And I just thought that is an amazing lesson. To, to learn from somebody like that. Yeah. Um, because, yeah. I, I mean, I even at the very minimal level of, of fame that I've accrued now, I've started to notice how easy it can be to start buying into your own hype. Yeah. People are just like, they're telling you you're great all the time, especially on his level. It must be very difficult not to let some of that go get in and yeah. go to your head. Um, and it really hasn't, like, not even a little bit. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. It's funny, when I... My, my parents are from, from Northern Ireland. My mom's from this tiny town called Bangor, where it's actually the band Snow Patrol's from. Oh, I didn't know that. So one time, me and my parents went to go see Snow Patrol together, and this guy, Ed Sheeran, was opening. And this was obviously a long time ago. And so now it came full circle, because I just heard Snow Patrol was opening for Ed Sheeran at, no, <laughs> at the no. at the Skydome show here. Oh my god, yeah. can you imagine? Yeah. Like being that band? Yeah. <laughs> and even then I hadn't heard of Ed Sheeran at that time. Yeah. It was just like this guy, but there was already tons of screaming girls there to see him. Wow. Yeah. Cause he was already like a bit of a YouTube thing, right when that was Yeah. Pretty pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. What I like about him, this is my favorite thing I've ever learned from from anybody. Yeah. Um, he always used to say, no matter how hard anybody works, I'll work harder. Okay. And I guess the reason I love that is because I, I, I know that people are born with talent and you see those little like eight year old kids on YouTube playing piano. Like, yeah. Yeah. But my real genuine belief is that it doesn't matter who you are or what level of talent you possess. If you work hard enough for something and you have a good enough attitude, then you can get it. Yes. Yeah. And I, I love just kind of seeing that emotion with Ed. Mm -hmm. He's not like, he's not, he's not the sauciest motherfucker, is he? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's, uh, <laughs> he's like a guy from this tiny town right. outside of Ipswich. Um, but... He works his little tits off, and yeah. he's and he's reaping the benefits. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's I mean that's an incredible success story. And I mean, yourself too. Ipswich is not a, it's not a big town, you know. And now look, you're, you've played with Ed Sheeran. <laughs> you've played with the Who. <laughs> you've played with the Who. Like that. I mean, that's insane. It's um, it's a very simple formula for yeah. success. It really people love to make it complicated. Yeah. Here's the Work deal. Hard. <laughs> it, it just work your ass off. Yeah. You know, if I didn't, if I don't watch Netflix. If I didn't play video games, then I could be a right. hundred times bigger. 
And that goes for anybody. Like, you know, that goes for the dude who's never even picked up a guitar. Yeah. If you just suddenly stop everything you're doing and, and you're like, on what you this want. is what yeah. I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it and there is no margin for anything else, I guarantee you are going to go somewhere. Like, yeah. Hands down. Wow. But it's, it's, it's true, yeah. It's hard, exactly. isn't it? It's hard to have the resolve well, you know consistently. It's, it's almost, you almost hear these stories more. It's the same with like, uh, they say here in Canada, all the best hockey players come from little tiny towns because they grew up with nothing else to do. So they yeah. go and play hockey all the time, right? So you don't hear about as many success stories from Toronto because all these kids have so many options. They go to the movies with their friends and stuff, you know? I agree. If I, if you knew in the back of your head, if I don't do this now and I just play hockey, I'll make it pro one day, then you might choose that, but People you don't know that. People listen to this story, they're going to say, that's bullshit. I'm telling you now, it is 100% Mm-mm. not. That and you hear it, you hear it, it come from people who are super famous or mm-hmm. not just famous but talented and out there and they say it too just work really hard look at anybody it's the same with what's his name it's his phrase uh, The Rock he yeah. always says be the, be the hardest worker in the room Will Smith say my work ethic is sickening you would yeah. be sickened <laughs> yeah. Jimi Hendrix he would play guitar on the toilet yeah <laughs> he was, he was yeah. the best guitarist in the world because he wanted to be because he yeah. took his strat onto the shitter and took a <laughs> dump while he was playing <laughs> like, a solo the best like, sounding dump you've ever heard right? <laughs> like that's 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 the level you gotta be maybe that's where he got the idea of setting it on fire cause yeah yeah <laughs> 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 play with, lit a match to, play to get the, the smell out. He didn't want to like, touch it with his yeah. hands. <laughs> there you go. Well, talking about, you mentioned if we didn't play video games and stuff, but I do want to talk about, let's talk about 99. Oh, God, I love video games yeah. so much. <laughs> Me too. Me of my too. Life. So we were talking about how nostalgia is a big factor and stuff, and 99 was like, I mean, around that era was a huge time for gaming when it was moving to 3D. What were, what were some of the games we were playing? Oh, dude. Um, Super Thinking Smash Brothers the, uh, with my N64. little brother. You know, I was furious and I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be a diva. Okay. In my music video, I requested a Nintendo 64. Yeah, because it was weird. It was like 99 and it was past Super Nintendo And they then. brought a SNES. And in, yeah. my, in my head, I was like, bring me a fucking SNES for my 90s. video about yeah. 99. You yeah. amateurs, yeah. I specifically requested a Nintendo 64. You ruined That's what I was thinking. And then I met them and said, yeah. Oh great, a SNES! Thank you so much. <laughs> and you know, my head, I'm like, nobody's gonna notice Barnes. Stop being a diva. Oh, Just sorry, do your job. <laughs> then I watch the uh, YouTube comments roll in. Everyone's saying 99. Guys, like this guy's a fucking hack. He doesn't know anything <laughs> about 99. The SNES is from the early 90s. I'm like, I fucking told you. Uh, uh, but no. So I loved Super Smash Brothers. Um, Goldeneye, obviously, Pokemon, um, like the original the Stadium one or the original Game Boy. Oh, I played one. Stadium, but dude, the, the Game, Game Boy, Boy, of course, one. yellow version that. was the first version I ever. Yeah, owned. I remember going out to dinner with my parents and not even eating just because I was sitting there on my Game Boy. Like, <laughs> it's hard to explain to anybody how magical that was. It was. It was. Have like you, you ever enjoyed anything as much in your life? And Since that I was always someone who liked customizing things, and I just thought it was the greatest thing that you could rename all your Pokemon whatever you wanted. <laughs> and you could call them super yeah. weird shit. Sorry, I'm doing an interview again. Nope. I uh, love... Yeah. <laughs> not even <laughs> doing an interview, I just like saying that to, to my guitar player when he tries to come into the room. <laughs> um, but yeah it, yeah, it really was, and now... It's so funny, because even when I was... Because I, was like, I don't even remember... The first system I ever bought was Sega Genesis. Okay. But I just had, like, a game here or there. Like, Nintendo 64 was, like, the first time I could ever really say I was a gamer. Oh, it was, it was so good. I played the hell out of Mario 64. 
Yeah. Yeah. I had that. It was too hard. And too, I don't think I ever got all the stars because it was hard. I never then. It. Yeah. Now I would make sure I did. <laughs> I, yeah, I would fucking destroy yeah. Mario 64. Yeah. My drummer used to do this amazing thing um, in his first hardcore band when he was 16. Okay. And they would bring a Nintendo 64 to every show. Okay. And then if you could beat the singer okay. at a game of Super Smash Brothers, you got a free piece of merch. Cool. Which I think is amazing. That is I'm great. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to yeah. do that for this tour. So Super Smash is your game. I was never that good at Super Smash. No, I was never good at I was it. Mario Kart guy. But my brother was like four at the time, so oh, yeah. <laughs> I, so I was super good yeah. at it. <laughs> Comparatively. Because <laughs> I'm like five years older than him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's a lot. That's what the song's about. And I'm, it's cool that you were born in that era, so you get it. Yes, I totally get it. There's this needless formalization of, of fun as we get older, where nobody just hangs out and shoots the shit anymore. Yeah. You don't just go over to your buddy's house and just like yeah. sit down and play. Everything is, is very structured. If you're going to go ride bikes, it's not around the neighborhood. It's on a pre-planned yeah. route with lycra suits and watches and then you go to the bar. After I used to. Play. I was a make fun of me or not, but I used to. I was a rollerblader, not a biker. But I used to just go out. I'd get home from school and I would just go rollerblade. Like I don't know where I went now. I was like, no. I, I was like, I had no plan. I was like, like where did I decide where to go? Like, so there's there's quite a like. I used to go to my friends and play frisbee and like. <laughs> wasn't that great? It was amazing. Like, it was didn't amazing. you enjoy and now, the hell out of that and now shit? Now when we play video games too, if we're at the bar and we're like, let's go play video games, like we all go back to our own places and yeah. play. <laughs> and it's really sad. It's weird, eh? Yeah. And I don't I don't agree with it. I think it's actually a sickness <laughs> of the human race that we have decided to do this. And I'm not as a child. I mean, I'm you're, guilty of it too. Yeah, I am. In your natural state, before you were influenced by the the tropes of society, you know exactly what to do to live a great yeah. life and to yeah. be happy, and you just go out and do it. Yeah. Hi, I'm Barnes. What's your name? Awesome. Let's play frisbee, and that is all there is yeah. to it. Um, but we, I think <laughs> it's like hi. I'm Adam. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> we overthink things way too much. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it, it's a disease that we've uh, accrued. We probably, you know, I don't know if it, there was any point in history when adults didn't do the shitty things they do now. But um, yeah, maybe, maybe in Atlantis, everybody yeah. was playing ultimate frisbee. That's <laughs> it's good times, man. Um, we used to do like a thing where like. We used to stand, like, start at this maybe a little bit further than this distance, and if you, like, made the catch, then you would each take a step back, and you would see how far you could get, but every time you missed, you had to take a step forward again. Oh, that's a great... It was. We used to play for, like, two hours, because we were, like, literally across the park... And then you'd be like legitimately upset if you missed it because now you have to get back. You have to get the throw that you got before in order to get back to there again. And it's like, yeah, that's that's fucking awesome. Good times. That being said, Red Dead Redemption just came out. Oh so. my god, I'm so excited for that. I literally went <laughs> into too. the video game store today. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, went in, I didn't have enough money. <laughs> I should not have become a musician. Um, oh, I'm I know. so excited for Me that too. game. Me too. Um, I was actually just talking. I had just did an interview earlier in the week with uh, Jared from the Dirty Heads, mm-hmm. and he's a huge gamer also. And we were both saying he's like, I've been playing Assassin's Creed, but I just have to finish it just so I can play Red Dead now. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm looking forward but, to uh, the next Elder Scrolls in like seven years. Yeah, and it'll take seven years to beat as well. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's did you play The Witcher? No, that game. Literally not playing any other video game. Granted, like. I, 
when I game, it's like I get like maybe two hours a week or something, you know. Yeah. Um, but I literally played only that game for like six, seven months. Is The Witcher better than Skyrim? I personally, I think so. I'm personally, I think The Witcher is the best video game made in the last. My buddy decade. says that. Now they're making a Netflix series. Dude. With what's his name? Uh, Henry Cavill quits. Su- I don't know if it was four. Don't quote me on. But he quit Superman, and now he's playing the main character. That's from a the way Witcher. cooler role. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. None of he's a huge. Is. Apparently, he missed his call. His call to say he got the Superman gig because he was playing video games. That's yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. None of my bandmates know anything about video games. Really? And they're all in the anything. video <laughs> playing playing Super Nintendo. It's, it's so so funny. Yeah. I'll say to my drummer, "You didn't play Pokemon when you were nine? See, you know, I play the drums. You should take me on tour, and then we can play Super Smash Bros. I, I, I'm getting real <laughs> tired of his shit, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's something I might have to consider. There you go. I said to him, "So, what did you do when you were like?" A kid. He went, dude. I, I went outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said, I learned how to play the drums. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why they're all good at their instruments. Yeah. And uh, I just run around like the Sugar Plum Fairy. There you go. Um, and, and leading them all. <laughs> yeah. But I had to get my buddy Mikey from elementary school out on the road to mm-hmm. be my professional bro. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's here tonight. Uh, okay. I don't think I ever sort of had any job for him. I just kind of. Decided he was going to come out, and He's I would your entourage. find excuses later for him to be there. Yeah, not that I can afford to have an extra person, but he's like your entourage. No, certainly not. I <laughs> He's not allowed to help me with anything whatsoever. That's okay. the rule of him being out here. Okay, he has to like literally just be my professional bro. Okay, he can help the band out. That, with that's stuff. what an entourage is. Is it? That's what it is. I it's thought being I a thought professional they were able to like friend. fawn over you. Okay, like, but oh it's my like God, pretty Mars, much a pro- so great. Right, I guess. But it's pretty much anything a professional his friend. entourage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a professional whole, friend. He is my professional so, friend. Yeah. It's pretty funny. I did a, I've done an interview where someone brought their entourage and it was <laughs> it's pretty cool. I need to get like it was I, like I was like, this is real. <laughs> this is happening. I don't think one dude counts as an entourage. It's the start of an entourage. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it's gotta start somewhere. I've seen some interesting uh interesting situations in that kind of uh, scenario as well yeah it's like I was like if you get in a fight are you fired <laughs> like don't agree am I fired <laughs> well I guess that's why they become such like kiss asses yeah right? I mean, pretty much yeah did you ever watch the show Entourage no no you never watched on HBO no, I, everybody raves about it was that good. show it is a good show it's a good show especially the early seasons but yeah, yeah I, just, I haven't seen it no yeah it's, it's weird it's apparently loosely based on Mark Wahlberg's life oh really yeah no, I mean I've spent he some, produced it. Yeah. I've spent some time with like big name celebrities, yeah. and it is like watching a TV show. Yeah, I mean it's, it's you're you're actually there. Like I can't believe that this is actually are, somebody's life. Who are some of the the coolest people that you've come across in your career? Um, dude, Pete Townsend is actually such a nice dude. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I, I couldn't even talk to him because I was just so, so nervous. overwhelmed. But he made s- such a mega effort to come over yeah. and chat. Like in the cafeteria, he would come over. Oh, how you doing? You know, really? I'm, you know, excited to have you play the show tonight. In the hallway, see me going by, come out of his dressing room. Hi, you know, listen to your EP. You know, I love it. Really nice. Mm. Just like such a nice dude. Yeah. Um, so he was really cool. Um, obviously, Ed's like really nice, really yeah. humble. 
I was so nervous that night supporting the Who. I had to do it acoustic. Yeah, of right? course, it's like the legends. <laughs> I'm like shaking like a leaf backstage. Yeah. And this lady's like, um, is, what's his name? Still the drummer, the Zach Starkey, Star Starkey. The, Ringo Starr's son. Yeah, Ringo Starr's. Yeah, yeah, he was playing that night. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the original drummer. No, no, no. No, I think that guy. <laughs> I don't want to hate to break it to you. Break yeah. Your bubble. The guy who's who's better than his, his more famous dad. <laughs> yeah. And he played with Oasis, too, for... Oh, really? For, yeah, he at the same time. He was playing with The Who and Oasis before they split up. No way. Yeah, yeah, he's real good. Wow. Real good. Not Sorry, not that Ringo Starr's not good. <laughs> I mean, I, I really struggle with that fine. sometimes. I what really do. What, what, people saying that he wasn't good or... Just... Or whether you think he's good whether or Whether he's good or not, yeah. I watched well, he can play. Interview. He can play. <laughs> he definitely hits the drums with his stick. I watched, <laughs> I watched an interview with Dave Grohl where he's like, oh, I just love that sort of, you know, window washer. And then he just starts kind of like flailing his arm about. Yeah. And I'm like, that looks shitty though. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess uh, there's something to be said about, um, about feel. Okay. Above technical ability. Right. Yeah. And I guess... He did have a very specific feel. This is what I've decided now after like years of, of mulling it over. Right. Okay, it's not the most technically proficient or even standout drumming, mm-hmm. but it did fit the songs incredibly well. Right. And it was what it needed to be. And actually, when it gets down to it, nobody else. Sounds like Ringo. Yeah. So, I think I've decided now that actually, like, he was a good drummer in mm-hmm. his own specific yeah. Ringo kind of way. Um, for sure. For a while, it ruined the Beatles for me. For a while, when really? somebody pointed it out, I couldn't, I was like, oh, yeah, God, this drumming is, like, really dull. And <laughs> <laughs> I can't listen to the Beatles because of that guy. <laughs> but no, no, I've changed my mind now. I think, actually, he's, no, he's a massive... Uh, we, I, well, my thing was I couldn't hear because when, when I was growing up, Ringo Starr did the Thomas the Tank Engine TV yeah. show. Yeah. So I couldn't listen to a Ringo song without hearing the guy from <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine. That's a really dark show, by the way. It is, yeah. Have you seen that, so that like, thing going around Facebook? Yes, I did. Yeah, like, I like, and they locked him away forever <laughs> and ever and ever. In the dark room. <laughs> but they left a tiny gap so he could see the other trains <laughs> going past for eternity as he rusted. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Apparently it was all written by um, a very angry Catholic priest. Really? It sounds like it. Yeah. It's, like it's the story of his life locked yeah, exactly. away in a room and with a window to see out. Yeah. Watch everyone else having fun. Yeah, he while couldn't. he sits there and tries not to masturbate. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, were you a Simpsons fan? Yeah, I love the Simpsons. I always love that one where Marge goes to prison and then they have the Catholic priest come in to like, say a prayer and she's like, oh, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not Catholic. And he's like, oh, we'll have fun, have a fun stay in hell then. And then <laughs> Baster's coming in, and he's like, nice collar. And he's like, oh, go home and have sex with your wife. <laughs> They're so like, clever, that show. It's yeah, oh, well, it was, anyways, yeah. But, uh, anyways, maybe we should wrap. We've done 45 minutes. Pretty have much. we? Yeah. <laughs> that so, just flew by. It's funny how talking about yourself specifically for 45 it's minutes. In video games and, and video games. music. That's, that's true. It. I haven't been totally uh, self-centered for this whole interview, huh? There you go. But, anyways, Barnes, thank you very much. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Anytime, man. Next time you're in town, we'll do it again. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool. All right. Thanks, dude. <laughs>
Adamantium.